I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Will America survive the solution to corruption, crime, and anarchy? Now here is John Carter with today's message. Hi, friend. I'm John Carter in Los Angeles. This is the second part of the program. Here it is. Will America survive? Pretty big question, eh? The solution to corruption, crime, and anarchy. Are we going to survive through some great coalition of church and state? I think not, because there is no greatness, my friend, no greatness without goodness, and goodness does not come from the state. Goodness comes from Almighty God. Now, here is the text. We used this in the first segment. We're going to use it again now. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. You do need to see the first part. That's pretty powerful. Now, here we go. If my people who were called by my name which used to be the children of Israel, the Jews. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The same text talks about the desolation that would come to the people of God through famines and pestilences and wars. And then the cry would go up, what, what are we going to do? And the answer was, if my people who are called by my name will pray, humble themselves and seek my face, then there will come restitution. There will come greatness. Now, let me just tell you this before we go any further today. I'm quite certain that this talk will not please the far left or the far right in the United States of America because in America today sadly everything is politicized and we have this great division but today I'm not here to please you did you hear this I love you but I'm not here to please you and because I love you I want you to know the truth because Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. So today I'm appealing to people of reason, people who want to please God and who want to see the greatness of America restored. Now let me tell you this also, and this is a little bit controversial. A minister's job is not to tell people how to vote. Or you say, no, no, no. You got it wrong. That's what a minister is supposed to do. A minister is supposed to tell the people how to vote so that we can have the right government, so we can have the greatest nation in the history of the world. It doesn't work like that. A minister's job is not to get out the vote. A minister's job is to save souls 
and to preach the gospel, a minister's job, my friend. Now hear me, please, in the name of God. A minister's job is to preach the gospel and to save souls. It is not to get out the vote. It is to get people into heaven. And I want you to know this great truth today. What America needs more than anything else, what we all need, we need a spiritual rebirth. And that's not going to come through the Senate or the Congress and it's not going to come through the White House. It comes from God. I'm going to tell you some amazing great truths. We need a spiritual rebirth. But remember, I say to you, my friends, England in the days of John Wesley, who was a Church of England minister. He was a flame of fire in the hands of Almighty God. He got kicked out of his church, the stuffy old Church of England, because he had the temerity to go and preach the gospel out on the streets. I want you to notice this text in the Bible. I'm going to turn over here to the Gospel of John chapter 1, dear hearts and gentle people. John chapter 1, and stay with me. And I want to say how much I love our great audience around the world, our tremendous audience on 3ABN, on Roku, Amazon Fire. Uh, We've got so many marvellous outlets. I have a fantastic television crew. We're working under great difficulties because of the great pandemic that is taking tens of thousands of lives here in these United States. And today is a time when we should be calling out for God to help us. John chapter 1 and verse 10 says, speaking of another John, it says, John chapter 1 and let me see, no, it's verse... Verse 6, John 1 verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He wasn't sent by the Sanhedrin. He wasn't sent from uh, the White House. He wasn't sent from the Congress. He wasn't sent uh, from any political party. John the Baptist was a man who was sent from God Oh, today that we had men and women who were sent from God. He was called a brand plucked from the burning. The rectory caught on fire one night. It was burned down by the enemies of his father, who was quite a preacher. Uh, Wesley lived in the 18th century from around, uh, no, not around, from 1703 to 1791. He was ordained an Anglican priest and he went over here to the United States of America. He went to Savannah because he wanted to save America and particularly he wanted to save the Indians. But he was a complete failure because he didn't have the Spirit of God. When he was travelling on one occasion, he got into a tremendous storm and the waves were tossing high and he thought he was going to drown and, and he was full of fear. But he noticed there were some Christians there who were called the Moravians and in the midst of the storm, uh, they were praising God. What a spectacle. 
and he longed to have their faith. And then May 1738, he went along to a little meeting house in London on a very cold day, Aldersgate Lane, and he heard a layman read the preface of Martin Luther's book to Romans. And there Martin Luther describes the power of God that changes the heart. And Wesley stood up in the meeting and he said, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And Wesley had found God. Or perhaps we should say God had found Wesley. He was called by God to save his nation. Now, sometimes we're completely oblivious of the facts of history. But let me tell you a little bit today about old England. What was England like in the days of John Wesley in the, in the 18th century? Well, the rich were getting richer and the poor were getting poorer. Nothing new under the sun, is there? Many were out of work. The nation was bitterly divided. London was a city of 600,000 souls, soon to grow to a million people, a great city for those days. And people, the poor people, lived uh, in terrible squalor. The rich lived in mansions, as they do today, the poor in filthy hovels, as they do today. They lived, did the poor, on bread and potatoes. 500 out of 1,000 children died before they reached the age of two. Malnutrition, bad water, dirty food, poor hygiene, these were the great assaults upon human dignity and human life. The times were ripe for a revolution. Are you still listening to me? Because I'm going to compare this to America. And Britain, England, had become rich through the slave trade. And society was ripe for a revolution such as came to France that had similar social conditions. Think about France. A corrupt king, a corrupt foolish queen, corrupt priests, corrupt lords, suffering masses, poverty, filth, disease and injustice. And God sent a man. In England, they had one big business trade. Well, they had many, but one of their main businesses was selling alcohol. The sale and the consumption of gin. Half of all the wheat harvest didn't go to feeding children, but to making gin. That was cheap and strong. A powerful drug for the suffering masses. You know why people turn to alcohol today, my friend? And why they turn to drugs? It is because of the, the hunger inside which they will not admit. St. Augustine said our souls were made for God. They cannot rest until they rest in him. So England had become a nation of drunkards. 
crime, poverty, death, disease, cholera, smallpox, typhus. They didn't have COVID-19, but they had diseases that I would suggest to you which were far worse and no health benefits. Women were forced into prostitution. Out of a population of around a million in uh, London, up to 50,000 women were involved in prostitution because they were starving. Often for the gratification did they provide these services for the wealthy, the infamous 1%. And God sent a man. We need a man today. We need a man of God. You hear what I'm saying, my friend? Don't think the politicians are going to save you. Please, let's not be so naive. Let us realize that salvation is found in God. Let me just give you a summary of England. Back in the days of John Wesley, poverty, exploitation of the suffering poor, disease, alcohol. Uh, pubs would put up this sign. They were bars. We'll make you drunk for a penny and dead drunk for tuppence with straw to lie on. That was England. Land of hope and glory? I don't think so. Injustice, prostitution. Think of the pornography today in the United States of America. The rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. And a great burning resentment in the hearts of the people. An indifferent king whose stupidity was soon to force the Americans to go to war with their motherland, I would have gone to war with them because of the gross injustice. Cries from the French across the channel, come, come the revolution, and it came with the bloody guillotine. But it didn't come to England. Why? Because God sent a man whose name was John. He was preaching at four o'clock in the morning, preaching to the miners. Children worked in the mines. Babies were born in the mines. He was turned out of his father's church, forced to preach out of doors. He preached the red blood gospel of the Bible. God loves you. God sent his son to die for you. Come to him. He will change your heart and you will be a new person. Plain old-fashioned preaching from the Bible. I would suggest today almost a forgotten art in the world and in America. Today it is mainly hot air and religious hype often mixed with politics and virtually no Bible at all. People seem to think they're going to be saved by politics. But salvation comes from Christ. Did Wesley get great opposition? You better believe it. He was often beaten up or gangs were sent from the religious hierarchy. Uh, he was beaten up. He was bruised and bloodied, thrown into the river. I've had opposition, but I have lived a wonderful life. Nobody's beaten me up. I've never been thrown into a river because I preached the word of God. But Wesley was persecuted. He travelled to America and he started a mighty fire. 
He was joined by that firebrand, uh, George Whitfield, who had been a part of his uh, uh, small group when he was at Oxford University. What stories you can tell about Whitfield. Goodness. They started up the Methodist Church. What a tremendous church. I read an account of once people looked out and it looked like as though the place was on fire. What was it? It was dust. People riding horses, people in chariots, uh, people running. Why were they running? They were running to hear this man of God, George Whitfield. When they got into the town square, there was a young man. They put him up on a table and he started to preach the word of God. And the Spirit of God bore testimony to the Word of God. And people were struck down by the power of the Holy Spirit and people were saved. That's what we need today in America. Not more politics. Now back in England, John was preaching fast crowds. Oh, well, he must have had a good PA system. No, no microphones. Thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands were converted. On one occasion, there were about 20,000 people sitting on a stone wall. As Wesley was preaching under the power of the Spirit, the stone wall (laughs) came down. It came down gently. The people remained sitting on the stone wall, transfixed by the preaching of this man of God who was filled, uh, filled, I tell you, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what America needs today. We need preachers who will preach the word of God and who will get out of politics, please. Why are you prostituting your holy calling? People say, well, I'm called to get people to vote and I'm called to do... No, no, no. Well, maybe you are. But if that's your calling, it's not the calling of God. Because a minister of God is called to be a minister of God and to preach the word of God. He's not called, my friend, to get involved in politics. A man came along to hear the Wesleys, John Newton, slave ship captain, you know the story. He wrote, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And then he influenced another man, another Englishman, by the name of William Wilberforce. And Wilbur Wilberforce got into Parliament and he was responsible for the abolishing of the slave trade long before Abraham Lincoln. Why? God sent a man. God sent preachers. God sent a spiritual revolution. God sent a spiritual reformation. What are we waiting for? Now, let me make this plain. A Christian can be involved in politics. Of course he can. A Christian can be in the Senate or in the Congress or in the White House. But what I'm preaching against today is the union of church and state. A Christian can be involved in politics, but the church cannot be. It goes against everything that the founding fathers of this nation fought for. People say, oh, no, no, no. The founding fathers wanted to have the union of church and state. I tell you, my friend, we're dealing today with massive misinformation. Reformation comes not through the union of church and state. And there's a great text 
Romans 1, 14 to 17. This is what we need. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, said Paul, both to wise and to unwise, plenty of those. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are, to you who are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is, what does it say? The power, the power of God for salvation, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. When it says it's the power of God, the Greek word is, is the same word for, for dynamite. It's the dunamis. The preaching of the gospel of God is the dunamis. It is the power of God. You still listening to me? It's all about Christ. It's not about some church organization. Somebody said the true church talks about Christ. A cult talks about itself. We're not here to talk about ourselves. It's all about grace. It's all about forgiveness. It's all about being born again and made into a new person. John chapter 1, verse 10. I'm going to read it to you. John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, Christ. And the world did not know him. They don't know him today. He came to his own, the Jewish people, and his own did not receive him. They put him on a cross. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right or the power to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. What is it talking about, born of God? When I'm born the first time, I'm born with this sinful, wicked old nature. But when I'm born again, God comes into my life and he puts a new power in my life and I become a brand new person. That's what America needs. That's how you can make America great again. America will be great again when America is good again and we become good again by the power of God. I don't believe in the heresy that all are automatically saved until they willfully reject. That's taught here in Southern California a hotbed of all heresies. I believe that all are lost until they willfully accept. I believe that when I accept Christ by faith and then I start to read his word, I become consumed by a new power. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen around the world. Think of people in Russia, the leaders of the mafia over there got to cover up their faces. The leaders of the mafia, Vasily, and I just won't say any more of their names. Men who were the leaders of the mafia, that they came to God and they started to read their Bibles. They didn't have a superficial religion like most of us have. God came down and got inside them and God changed their lives. So politics are not enough. Protests are not enough. I believe in peaceful protests, not riots. Social action is not enough. Handouts are not enough. Money is not enough. Religion is not enough. Talking is not enough. Only Christ is enough. We need more than a Band-Aid. We need the balm of Gilead. We need Christ. Look at the text again, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. 
This is the theme text. Here it is. When I shut up heaven, and there is no rain. That's what's happening today. Or command the locusts to devour the land. That's happening today. Or send pestilence among my people. That's happening today. God lets it come. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We're talking here about a mighty spiritual reformation. God is sending us warnings, pestilences, wars, poverty, division, threats of nuclear war from China, Russia, and Korea. North Korea. But I want to tell you, folks, I open up my heart to you. It is time for a spiritual rebirth, not for a union of church and state. Time for a spiritual rebirth. And may we say, Lord, let it begin with me. Please. Let it begin with re- let it begin with right here today with me. Remember John Wesley, Wilberforce, John Newton. And Newton wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Yet when this flesh and heart shall fail and mortal life shall cease, I shall possess within the veil a life of joy and peace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who call me here below will be forever mine. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Will America survive? Greatness is tied up with goodness. And goodness is found in Christ. Lord, let it begin with me. To our police, to those who serve and protect us with mercy, love, dignity, compassion, and honor. May God bless you. Each day, there is no task that is too large no task too small. You take the slings and arrows that come your way with courage. The badge you wear makes you part of a bigger team, but we know you are each unique in God's eyes. You are individual human beings of a police force. 
The greatest force is God's love. There is no one who has not experienced that love when you come to their aid. We are grateful. We know you need our help. Working together, we can live in harmony. We pray for the safety of our homes, for our neighbors, and for the police that protect and serve our community. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.